Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. NFL Week 1 overreactions. If you are listening for the first time, this is the Mike Abadir Show. Very happy to be welcoming you in. I am Gino Bacola, and I'm going to introduce our host, NFL sports agent, and my good friend, Mike Abadir. Mike, NFL season is upon us. We have so many crazy things to react to, and we have a couple guests that are going to talk some football with us today. Love talking NFL. Excited about the early season matchups. There's already been a lot of intrigue. I think most of it's from the quarterback position. So we definitely want to spend some time on that. A lot of guys overperformed. Let's say Fitzpatrick and a lot of guys underperformed. And we'll talk about all those things as well. So definitely psyched to be talking early season NFL action. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have Rick Ciardella, who's actually going to join us in just a moment, and then our good friend Monique, the parlay queen. She'll join us towards the end of the show, and we will get some of her props and, and wagers and lines for the weekend um, that she likes. Uh, we always get a good uh, good sense of uh, how the uh, the gambling's going from Monique. So we'll, we can jump right into it, Mike, because I think we have Rick on the line, and uh, let's welcome him right now from NFL Draft Bible. And actually, Rick, we were just talking to you offline a moment ago, big merger. Uh, just a few weeks ago for you guys over at NFL Draft Bible. Uh, hello, and why don't you tell us a little bit about the big news? What's up, Rick? Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, always always uh, happy to be on the show, and it's, I guess it's a welcome back, right, to football season, but it feels like yeah. we never left here at the NFL Draft Bible because, you know, we can't stop, we won't stop. But, yeah, some, some big news for us at the NFL Draft Bible. We've been acquired by the NFL Draft Scout who – you know, if you're an NFL draft, Nick, if you're an NFL draft fan, if you are in the industry like yourself, Mike, then you know, you know, NFL draft scouts been pretty much considered the, the industry standard. So, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, a lot of announcements to come, but uh, long story short of it, you know, I'll be bringing back the NFL draft Bible publication. It will be now under the NFL draft scout umbrella. So we're excited about that, having a hard copy issue in addition to the PDF. And then, you know, I'll also be overseeing a lot of um, new products and, and content on the NFLDraftScout.com website. Definitely check it out. We have a whole uh, Maven network, a, a platform that, you know, we're going to be reaching, you know, hundreds of millions to the billions. Uh, so in terms of uh, elevating our profile to the next level, we've done that. And, you know, you can go on NFLDraftScout.com. You can get our weekly Draft Slant newsletter, which, you know, keeps you up to date year-round with the NFL Draft, you know, risers and sliders. But, uh, no, very excited about it. Uh, Rob Rang, who's been doing his thing uh, over there for quite some time, and myself uh, will be providing NFL Draft analysis now until uh, April. Oh, good stuff. That's we good be, stuff. Yeah, we can tell you all along. Let me tell you guys how far back I go with the NFL Draft Scout. So, Rick, you might remember these days. So, I go so far back. I was a paying member for the site when, I, as I'm looking at maybe potentially signing a kid right out of college, 
I want to know his grade. I want to know, you know, some of the notes on him during the course of the college season. I would log in. And this is back in the day when it used to take about 45 seconds to upload the entire player profile because there was so much information, you know, and it was the only site that really had all that. So that's how far back I go with the site. Love it. Fantastic. Congratulations to you. What's great is nowadays with the with the advent of fantasy and like individual fantasy, like this is something that was probably years back just used or mainly used like how Mike was using it for people looking at, you know, coming into the league. Nowadays, I'm sure like I like to use the tools for looking at fantasy players, how they come in, what you know, what what their production is, are they tight ends that block and run, just all sorts of things that I think people get a lot more into the weeds now than they did even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, you know, I, I think the beauty of the NFL draft, and thank you guys, uh, is really it's where, you know, college football fans and NFL fans kind of come together because not every college football fan is an NFL fan and not every NFL fan is a college football fan. But I think every football fan is a fan of the NFL draft. And, you know, yeah, Gino, to your point, man, I, I can't even tell you, what, you know, when I go out and, and, and talk to people and, and they know I'm involved with the NFL draft, I get so many questions about the rookies in fantasy football. <laughs> exactly. And what's their role going to be? And how much of an impact they're going to have? And where would you draft them? So, yeah, I do think the, the, uh, the, the, the really big interest of the fantasy football has also kind of catapulted this whole NFL draft you know, phenomenon where it's, you know, aside from the Super Bowl, I believe it's the second highest rated television program of the year. So, I mean, you know, the, the Super Bowl and the NFL draft are, are the two most watched, not just sporting events, but television events every year. Well, let's jump into this, uh, this week's games. And when, when we do, we'll kind of be able to hit last week's games and we'll be able to hit some of the big topics. And we won't spend too much time on the Thursday night game because a lot of people that listen to the show um, won't necessarily be able to get all the analysis, but we do have a couple teams that come off victories and um, just kind of out there to to both Mike and Rick. I mean, how do we get a gauge on Baltimore right now when they probably played the, the worst team in the NFL and beat up on them? Is this Baltimore team good? Right now, I think they're actually a, it's a really tight line. I think they're up to about a point favorite on the road at Cincinnati. What are your thoughts of, of these two teams and how they came into, uh, how they're going to be coming into week two off of their wins? Rick, why don't you go ahead and jump in on that one? Sure. Well, I mean, listen, I think that Cincinnati is always going to be Cincinnati under Marvin Lewis, and that's a team that, you know, could, could have some success, but will really be a non-factor come playoff time, whether they're there or not. That's how I view the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the Ravens, they come off a big-time victory over the Buffalo Bills. I know it looks great, but a little bit, you know, part of me is just kind of scratching my head, like, you know, John Harbaugh has to be feeling the heat. I don't think they've made the playoffs like three years in a row now. It's just like, what are you doing with Lamar Jackson? I, I, I get it. You're trying to light a fire under Joe Flacco while at the same time trying to, you know, ignite the offense and, and, and use Lamar Jackson as a spark plug. But it's just really, I don't know. I think he's getting too cute and fancy. It might have worked against Buffalo, but, you know, all this gadget, gadget you know, tricks and and stuff i i just don't see it working it's it's kind of like the wildcat it's going to be a fade and i'm I'm not sure you know baltimore and not that john harbaugh is a bad coach it's just kind of like tom coughlin in new york sometimes a coach just runs its cycle and and the players stop listening and i i kind of feel that's where baltimore is right now 
We meet both these teams, honestly, right? With coaching staffs. Um, we, we hear yeah, the same thing true. both. And, um, I, I don't know, Mike, are you high on either of these teams, Mike? You know what? Here's the funny thing. How long are we going to keep saying that Baltimore – talking about Baltimore as a defensive squad and the Baltimore Ravens defense, they really haven't had a great defense in a long time. But I even heard it this morning on a talk show where they were saying, well, you know, you always have a chance without Baltimore defense – and that Baltimore defense hasn't, you know, since the days of Ed Reed. And uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, I think they it was more about the Buffalo Bills than it was about the Baltimore Ravens. You know, this should be an interesting division matchup. I would expect that it should be a slugfest, a close game, you know, maybe like a 21-17 kind of game. I couldn't even tell you who'd finish up on top. But to me, I'm not impressed with either of these squads if you're talking about real contenders. Yeah, I would just take, in this particular game, I'd take Cincinnati just because they're at home and they're probably going to get uh, get the point. But I'm with you. I'm not really high on Baltimore at all. Uh, I I think they are a little bit overrated. I think both of these teams are, are getting a little bit too much buzz early on in the year in what's just a weak AFC. As we move on to uh, Casey at Pitt, which is an interesting game. I think Pitt is like a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. KC, really, really impressive. Mike, you are high on them. Um, and you kind of sold them as one of the top contenders in the AFC. T- uh, tell us a little bit about that opening week for KC. Hey, that's my Super Bowl pick. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the biggest question mark was probably going to be, will Pat Mahomes, you know, be a successful quarterback over a 16-game NFL season? And how will their defense fare? I, I think we got some answers on Mahomes last week. You know, obviously their offense was just super, super potent. You know, they've got some real big time playmakers, some real fast guys. They got the cheetah. And anytime you got the cheetah on your side, you're going to look pretty good uh, as an offensive unit. And I don't think their running game really got on track last week no. either. So well, we're going to see, uh, I think, some. Neither Kelsey either, really. They, no, they've got no. more, plenty more upside. Yeah, they got a lot of weapons. They got a lot of weapons. And, and to me, they're, you know, they're kind of like, uh, you know, I, I have to slide this in. They're the Boston Red Sox of, of oh, football, God, where they could beat you so many different ways. So many different ways. I was waiting, so I was waiting for ways. some Red Sox reference <laughs> of some sort. So, Rick, what what do we think about Pittsburgh? I, they they tied. We don't see the tie all too often in the NFL anymore against the Browns, and which is funny because I think that's the Browns' best start since 2005. It's just funny. They they've lost every home opener since then. So with the tie, that's been the Browns' best start since. Um, but what do we think about Pittsburgh, a team that doesn't have their best player right now, Le'Veon Bell? Connor slid in pretty well, but I don't. There's not good feels coming out of Pittsburgh with this Bell stuff, and and obviously the tie to start the season. Well, a few things. First off, I'll glance right over that Red Sox comment. Uh, <laughs> you know, listen, guys. You know Pittsburgh. It's, it's the AFC is so wide open, and again, it's kind of like almost Pittsburgh is is sitting on their previous reputation, and you know Ryan Shazier's not there no more. James Harrison isn't there anymore. Uh, Troy Palomalu not there anymore. And you know what? I I thought they would be good, and then when you tie Cleveland, all of a sudden, I don't know. I, I'm questioning myself. How good is Pittsburgh? How long did Mike Tomlin ride those coattails? Uh, of the of that Bill Cower team and just kind of keep that momentum going and you know I I didn't think the running game would sk- you know miss a beat with James Conner like he's not going to catch you know 50 60 balls a year but he can definitely bring the ground and pound attack but you know I will say this about this game if you asked me 2 weeks ago before week 1 I probably would have picked Pittsburgh but 
hey, Mike, if you got room on that KC bandwagon, man, <laughs> slide on over because I want to hop on board. I mean, you know, team, yeah, everybody was picking the Chargers to win the AFC West. I think that talk died already after week one. And it, it goes back to this. The NFL, obviously quarterback is the ultimate X factor, but you've got to have playmakers. And to Mike's point, you know, we mentioned – uh, the Baltimore Ravens and why we're not high on them because guys, they have no playmakers. I mean, Michael Crabtree, Alex Collins, I, I, I just don't see it. Now you look at the Chiefs, you got the Cheetah, Tyree Kill, you got the Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas, you got, uh, uh, Sammy Watkins who, you know, we'll see if he lives up to the potential. I hate to even tell you, Chris Conley is on that roster. He's an athletic freak as too. Kelsey could make a big play. Hunt, yeah. Hunt can, yeah. Can, can make a big run. So, you got playmakers and you got to put points on the board. And, and we saw, you know, here in New Jersey with the Giants offense, uh, the defense played well. But if you can't put points on the board, you got to make big plays every week. You got to have those big plays. It's, it's one or two plays, big plays in the NFL that dictates, the, the, you know, it's a fine line between a W and an L each week. And it usually comes down to just a few plays. And, you know, and I, I want to jump in on the, the running back situation really quickly here. First of all, I have mad respect for James Conner. He's a cancer survivor. He's a warrior. He's a fighter. He got his opportunity and he made the best of it. You know, ran for over 130 yards, got himself in the end zone a couple of times. So kudos to him on that. Definitely proud of the kid. In terms of Le'Veon Bell, I'll tell you this much. I don't see him coming back until, and you could probably bank on this. Not before week ten. So, what would you, know? you as an agent do, Mike? For if you're if you're Le'Veon Bell's agent, what would you tell him to do in this situation? Now, remember, as an agent, I'm taking a very selfish approach. No, absolutely. That's clients, why I'm asking. Right? Yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be all be about what's best for my client. What's best for my client isn't necessarily best for the teams. I want to sure. make clear make that clear. As an agent, what I would tell him is, look, save the wear and tear on your body. You're gonna get paid next year regardless. You you don't even have to play this year. Come in for the last few games to show you know, that you're the home run hitter that you are, that you're the best running back, best offensive threat in the league, play the last five, six games, hopefully go on a Super Bowl run, make an impact in the postseason, and then get paid. No need to play in these first nine, ten weeks and absorb all those hits. Keep something in mind. He's losing almost $850,000 a week by not playing. My man will more than make up that money with guaranteed money come off season, come negotiations time. Once March of next year hits, we're going to more than make up for that $850,000 times 10 loss. Trust me on that one. Sit out. Your teammates will understand. So over on the money, and I'm saying you play over in this KC Pitts game, because I don't think, I think one of the one weakness for Kansas City is their defense. And they can outscore you, but they're going to also um, allow you to, to score some points. So I think this over has moved all the way up to 53 now. It's starting to get high, but if you can find it anywhere in like the early, the low 50s, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. Um, we moved to Houston, Tennessee. A couple teams who are, I'd say, a little disappointing. Tennessee had some injuries. I keep scratching my head with Mariota, like waiting for him. He was big in the playoffs last year winning that game, but I keep waiting for him and expecting a little bit more out of him. He was disappointing when I watched the most of this game. He's a little banged up. Delaney Walker's out for the year. They have some offensive line issues too. Uh, they play a Houston team who comes in, and Deshaun Watson was a little disappointing in his first game back. Rick, uh, what do you think in this Houston-Tennessee matchup? What were some of your thoughts on the their first week of, uh, first week of action? 
Yeah, no, I'm on board with you. I, I, I had um, pretty big expectations for Tennessee, believe it or not. I thought they could really be somebody this year, and I just did not like anything I saw out of them week one. Now, they do have the propensity to collect mediocre wide receivers, and again, that goes back to the playmakers. Delaney Walker, ironically, is probably their biggest playmaker. Right yeah. now. He's out for the season. It's not, it's not looking too good, and you know, the China doll, Marcus Mariota, I mean, this guy, you just, you blow on him too hard, they're going to call that helmet. <laughs> I mean, this guy, he's just like, I don't know what to do with Marcus Mariota. Maybe you bench him the first six games of the year, so that way you have him for the end of the season. I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I like Houston here. I think they can possibly compete for that division if J.J. Watt gets back to, you know, not even his 100% form, but even if he gets back to 80 or 90% of the player that he used to be, I think it's going to be huge. Obviously, with Jadavion Clowney and, and that Texans defense there, um, you know, I, I got to lean towards Houston here. I thought Tennessee was going to be somebody, but you know what? I think they're going to need another offseason to kind of fine-tune that thing. And, you know, as long as Marcus Mariota is your quarterback, I think you got to really have a dependable backup there in place. Mikey, what about, the, what about this matchup? You know what's interesting to me is th- this matchup is all about Deshaun Watson. Right. What do we need to get out of him? You know, we kind of live in an era right now, uh, NFL wise, where we see a small sample size and we get really excited. And we've kind of been doing this now for the last few years in comparison to when I was growing up. And I'm hoping that maybe we could talk a little bit about all time great quarterbacks and a little bit here. But with quarterbacks, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, Rick, you probably remember this. You know, it's like every team had their franchise quarterback, literally every team. I mean, there's maybe two or three teams, you know, every year that were kind of looking for one. But there were, you know, the, the Marinos and Montanas and Moon and, and Kelly and Elway and every team, if you go down the list, had a franchise quarterback. Now we get so enamored with five games from Deshaun Watson, six or seven games from a Garoppolo, you know, that type of thing. And, and so I guess my point is, what are we getting with Deshaun? We were super excited about him. We were really quick to annoy him as the top fantasy scorer, one of the top offensive threats as quarterback. This game is really all about that. Outside of Deshaun Watson, there's very little intrigue for me. I do think that Houston is going to end up being a playoff team in a weak division. Yeah, and and I think he'll get a little better. If he was just missing a lot of throws, he really just looked a little rusty. Um, and and the Paps are are going to be probably the best team in the AFC, or at least one of the better teams in the AFC. So uh, I was a little disappointed, but I think as the game went on, he started to to kind of warm up a little bit. So I and don't forget they're playing New England. Yeah, England. and they're playing New England at New England. So, you know, when you're when you're disappointed in them, you got to remember their defense still did play pretty well. They created some turnovers, and I, I uh, was still pretty impressed with that Houston defense. So I think we're just getting ready to take our first break here, and when we return, we're going to talk some Josh Allen because I believe they have made the announcement that Josh Allen will be starting this weekend at home against the Chargers. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and that impressive comeback performance on Sunday Night Football last week. But they're going to have a tough game if he's a little banged up with Minnesota coming into town. Let's take a quick break, and when we return, plenty more here on The Mike Abadir Show. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? 
Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Moving through week two of the NFL season, Gino, Rick, and Mike Abadir here on the Mike Abadir Show. We're moving on to the Chargers at the Buffalo Bills. I think it might be a little early to say, but uh, I think Buffalo is... (laughs) It looks like the worst team in the NFL right now. They just did not have a lot. And we talk about playmakers. Um, other than LaShawn McCoy, wide receiver-wise, I'm not really high on much what they have. Um, they are making the big change this week, though. And Josh Allen looked a little slow at times and has looked a little slow, but he has the big arm. It makes sense, I think, to to have him start if you think he's going to be your future guy. Rick, what were your thoughts on Josh uh, coming into the draft? Had you been high on him the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I, I was pretty high on him. And then, you know, his, his final year at Wyoming, I didn't see the next step that I wanted to. I, I wanted to see a little bit more development in his footwork, in his accuracy. Uh, again, you know, a lot has been made about the lack of talent or playmakers. He did lose three 1,000-yard receivers or, or two receivers and a tight end. All three guys were in an NFL camp. I think Jacob Hollister stuck with the the Patriots. So I didn't really see that progression to the next level. With that being said, I still thought he was a first-round talent, uh, but a guy that I would have, you know, and we talked about this in in the first segment, back in the day, teams were allowed to groom quarterbacks, develop them, maybe sit a year or two, or maybe even three, like a Steve McNair. Now they just get thrown into the fire. I thought... I thought being an understudy and sitting on the bench would do Josh Allen good. Now, I always, going back to uh, 
Derek Carr or David Carr with the Texans, the, the older Carr, you know, you, you throw a rookie quarterback behind a shoddy offensive line, uh, I'm always a little bit hesitant of the long-term effects of that. And granted, Josh Allen has much better mobility than Nathan Peterman. He'll be able to bide some time and, and move around and extend some plays there in the pocket. But still, I mean, he's going to be uh, uh, against a, a pass rush almost every single play behind that offensive line. So I think he will have his fair share of struggles, and he'll have his fair share of glimpses where he flashes you know, that, that rare throw that only – you know, maybe a handful of guys can make in the NFL. I think when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to the coaching and how they can, you know, build a support system around this kid as he develops. Does do think, uh, does uh, JP Lossman ring a bell? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When, I'm evaluating, and by no means am I an expert evaluator. I've been wrong about more quarterbacks than I've been right. I'll tell you that much, right? I'll be the first to say it. I look at things from the perspective of if you're coming from a Wyoming and an inferior conference relative to the biggies, of course, you need to dominate. And when you go back and just even look at his stat sheet, there were games where he was sub 160 yards, like 143 yards. You know, you can't do that. I mean, it's kind of like like playing baseball, you know, in a in a D three competition, and you're batting two sixty. Yeah, you got to hit five hundred or yeah, you got to crush it. You, you got to show me something. So I didn't see enough in terms of the completion percentage, in terms of any kind of level of domination where he dominated the game, where he elevated the game, like like Wentz did. You know, he he took his team to to multiple championships. You know. He dominated. He dominated on the ground, in the air, as a leader. Yeah, to me, this is going to be another wasted pick for Buffalo. Sorry, Buffalo Bills fans. You're going to have to be waiting a lot longer. You got your playoff, you know, sneak peek last year. It's going to be another 15, 20 years before you see another. We go from opposite ends of of the quarterback spectrum (laughs) in in the Buffalo game to the game that's right next to it, the Minnesota Green Bay game. And this was kind of... What sparked our all-time quarterback discussion that we can kind of actually even transition to when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers? Because when you watch him this past Sunday with a comeback like that, and he's banged up, and he's doing it, and I think he's one of the few quarterbacks all-time, when you see their team start to come back, even when they're down 14, 10 points, multiple scores, you get that feeling in your stomach like, they're going to win this game. They're coming back. Maybe a Brady, maybe with Manning sometimes, uh, Elway a little bit, but Marino had a lot of comebacks. But uh, Rick, I mean, how many other guys are even as good as Aaron Rodgers? He's got to be on the short list really all time when it comes to most talented quarterbacks. Maybe he doesn't have the big wins as many as some of the others, but just pure talent, he's on my short list. Yeah, I mean, he's a pure gamer, and that performance there on Monday night, I have to honestly say, was the most memorable for me that I can think of, uh, thinking back all the way back to another Packer, Brett Favre, when he played on Monday night football the day his father died, and just, man, were the football gods watching over him that day. But, uh, yeah, when, when Rodgers came back in during the second half and – and you see the Packers go down and, and, and score that first touchdown, you're thinking to yourself, man, they got a shot. And, you know, even though he could not step into his throws, 
uh, he was out there, and <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny afterwards. Twitter had a good time with with the uh, happy pills that they must have gave him at the halftime because that post-game <laughs> interview was also a classic, by the way. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, just uh, just an all-time great performance by one of the all-time great quarterbacks for sure. Mike, I'm sure you have been a little bit sour when you were watching uh, some of that game because as a Raider fan, you saw early on one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers was out of the game was the dominant performance by Khalil Mack. What are your mixed emotion feelings when you watch uh, Khalil Mack dominate for the Bears? He had pure adrenaline on his side. You know, the guy came in on an emotional high, just signed a monster contract, new team, feels that he wasn't respected in Oakland, and he came in and performed. He delivered. He delivered like a, a top player in the NFL should. You know, and I think on the other side, Rodgers did the same. You know, and when you're talking about all-time quarterbacks, you know, I'd like to throw out, and I'd like to hear Rick and, and, and yours, Gino, your top five, top ten, whatever quarterbacks of all time, and, and where, where does Rodgers place on that list? For me, my list, and it really depends on how you define all-time greats, right? Sure. Is it all-time greatest accomplishments? Then that's pretty simple, right? Then it's going to be a short list of, of Brady, Montana, and Bradshaw. Sure. Right. But I look at it from the from the vantage point of if I'm a GM drafting from scratch and I need to win, who am I taking first? We still don't know if, if Brady is a Belichick system guy or not. Sure, He's just done true. it so many times over and over and over again. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt and put him up there. But I don't know if I had the first overall pick uh, in history. You know, we're playing Madden or there's a way to, you know, bring everybody back to age 27 or something. So who right? are some of the, the people that would be in the mix for the pick? We're talking about like Brady, Marino, Elway, my, my Clark, top list Montana, order. Yeah, my list in order is Marino, Elway, Steve Young, Warren Moon, Johnny Unitas. That's my okay. top five. On the outside looking in would be Montana, Fouts, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. Are we I, missing I anyone, think- Rick? Well, you know, it, this is this is such a a fun topic because how do you define the great criteria, right? And for me, you know, I do emphasize. I think, you know, winning. Uh, I, I'm like Herm Edwards, man. You play to win the game, right? So, to me, that's a very big emphasis on where you rank with the all-time greats. Now, the other factor I think you take in here is just the point in time the way the NFL has evolved. I mean, Drew Brees is probably, I think, going to have the all-time passing yardage record, but I don't think anybody considers him to be the all-time greatest just because of the era he played in. So, you know, for me, I go back to the 85 beers, the Super Bowl shuffle, you know, uh, that, I, I go back three decades of watching football. So if I were to speak on quarterbacks that I've actually seen play, okay, I would go... Flip a coin, number one, Joe Montana or John Elway. Okay, number three, for me, uh, you know, I got to put Tom Brady in there because of what he's done. However, remember, he went quite a, quite a long time before he won his first Super Bowl yep. after Spygate. I think there's something to be said for that, so I put an asterisk there. And then Dan Marino would be my number four guy. I think number five is where it gets interesting. And if I'm, if I'm including everybody, then Otto Graham and, and Johnny Unitas have to be in my top five, right? Because Otto Graham, 
I mean, the Browns haven't won a Super Bowl, but this guy won like 10 straight championships with the Browns. Johnny Unitas, I mean, I think he's better than Peyton Manning. But, you know, then I would say Peyton Manning is better than Aaron Rodgers. And, in fact, I would say is Aaron Rodgers even the greatest Packers quarterback of all time? If he retired today, I would say probably not. When he does retire, will he be the greatest Packers quarterback of all time? It's, it, there's a possibility. But right now, I don't think even he's the greatest quarterback in Packers history. And Bart Starr might even have something to say about that. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you a question, though, because you, know, you, you talk about factoring in accomplishments. And who am I to question how you evaluate all-time greats? But my question is, if football is the ultimate team game, and it's really the only sport, you know, maybe it's outside of baseball, there's a lot of different units. But, I mean, there's three completely different separate units, offense, defense, and special teams. Granted, special teams takes a couple of guys from offense and from defense. But you know what I mean. If it's an ultimate team game, how come the quarterback position is the only one with a win-loss record? Like, you don't give win-loss records to a lineman or to a wide receiver. Well, so, so, in that and, sense, well, I think I'll it's a little it, bit unfair it, I, well, to – No, I – Okay. I appreciate that. It. I appreciate that. And, and playing devil's advocate, and yes – that's why I said everyone's criteria is going to be different. That's why this argument's so fun. What I yeah. will say is what's the common de- denominator of the, the, the NFL teams who make the playoffs every year? What's the one common denominator? Great they quarterbacking. Quarterback, right? So, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably the reason why, you know, sure. they do keep tabs on the starting quarterback's record as a starter because, you know, at the end of the day, the buck stops there. You know, without Tom Brady, there's no Bill Belichick and vice versa. Uh, Without Joe Montana, there's no Bill Walsh and vice versa. Without Chuck Knoll, there's no Terry Bradshaw and vice versa. So I think, you know, it's just really the way the position is portrayed. And, yeah, you know what, if I'm just talking about arm ability and talent, hey, yeah, let's throw Dan Fouts in there. And I think, you know, Dan Marino is like the exception. You know, I think part of the criteria of being great is being able – to win a Super Bowl because I take a look at some of the teams that Aaron Rodgers has or had are much more talented than the teams John Elway had. And John Elway, you know, carried those Denver Broncos teams, those early ones, to the Super Bowl pretty much on his back with, with, with no weapons. And, you know, finally he got Terrell Davis and, and, and won a couple. But I think, you know, I take a look at what Elway did. He brought teams to the Super Bowl single-handedly. Um, well, Montana, I think you're kind of shortchanging the three amigos a little bit. Oh, Ricky Jackson, Vance Johnson, <laughs> Ricky Nittil, and Mark Jackson, and Vance Johnson. <laughs> uh, so, Clarence K at the tight end. So there's a quote that's but been no, surfacing. I, I mean, listen, and, and, and that's the beauty of this argument. I mean, you can, you can, you know, you can ask ten different people their top ten quarterbacks, and you're going to get a different ranking, and, and Warren Moon's a good one, too. Like, do you factor in his CFL passing records and his CFL championships? Like, you know, that's part of the equation also. Yeah. And really, one quick thing about Elway that's to me is kind of funny is he played his best years during those Super Bowl losses. He, he wasn't even half of what he was when he won those Super Bowls. That's kind of the irony of it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when he finally had a running back behind him that was a Hall of Fame caliber guy, you know, you didn't necessarily see the best of that out of Elway because you didn't have to. Well, and also, I think it's the difference between Dan Reeves and Mike Shanahan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Dan Reeves and, and Elway just collided, you know, clashed heads and very conservative type of offense. And then when Shanahan came in and, 
and took over. He opened things up, and that's when, you know, L.A. never had a 4,000-yard passing season until Mike Shanahan came around. The one uh, thing that Tom Brady actually recently had said, or uh, I think he said a few years ago, but it's been it's been resurfacing, is he told a coach that if Aaron Rodgers had the Patriots' offensive scheme and institutional knowledge on opposing defenses, he'd throw for 7,000 yards every year. He's so much more talented than me. So it's always interesting to hear someone who is thought of as one of the greatest say, no, this guy is way better than me. Um, you know what's about- interesting about that, Gino? Is he's actually, as of this week, he's kind of backed off of that a little bit. Yeah. He even gave a couple, like, no comments yeah. when, he, when he was asked about that same quote. Isn't that interesting? Because I think he's probably been getting it a lot, you know? I think so many people have probably been bringing it up to his attention again and, and wanting him to comment on it that he's just like, you know what, I'm focusing on the season. I'm focusing on, on game time And right probably a couple, more, a couple more Super Bowl appearances afterwards, and now he's kind of oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, oh yeah. And now, now my my resume does the talking. I'm not even going to boast for anybody else anymore. Absolutely. Well, we only have about a, a minute or two left with Rick. So, Rick, before we let you go, who was either give us your your most impressive and your least impressive performances of Week One? Uh, did anybody sway you one way or the other that you you thought wasn't going to be very good and they looked a lot better, or vice versa? Well, I think we all had high expectations for the Rams, so we, we saw that one coming on Monday night, right? But how about the Jets? I mean, they're yeah. the talk of the town over here. I mean, they, they can't stop talking about Sammy and the Jets and uh, the Jets' defense and, and, and that secondary. Is it the best in the league? I mean, you know, listen, they still have yet to find a pass rush. They may not have a number one wide out. But I'm telling you, the Jets are building something special here, and you take a look at the fact they're going to have $98 million in cap space this upcoming offseason to build a team around Sam Darnold. We talked about Le'Veon Bell. Maybe he'll be wearing New York green next season. Rick Saradella from NFL Draft Bible and NFL Draft Scout. Rick, this is great. We love talking with you. We'll bring you back in a few weeks and we can do the same thing. You know, just check in again with the season, see what's uh, what's gone on over the last few weeks. And we'd always love to hear what's going on on your end with uh, with NFL Draft Scout and NFL Draft Bible. Yeah, and updated, uh, love you it. know, yeah, and updated updated top 10 for le- next year that uh, our listeners can start looking out for who are the top college prospects that our NFL teams may want to secure for next year. Awesome. Rick, let us sure, know where can we fo- follow you. Tune in. Yeah, where exactly. can we follow you on social media? Yeah. Give, uh, give us your plugs. Yeah, you know, just at NFL Draft Bible on the social media. We're still transitioning, a lot going on. But again, all my content can now be found on the NFLDraftScout.com. I got a couple weekly columns there that you can find and we do a weekly draft slant newsletter so but you know twitterverse at nfl draft bible you could always find everything we do appreciate it fellas awesome awesome rick thank you my friend great stuff from rick talking football mikey we are uh, up against a break but you're gonna like this mike when we return we're gonna talk to the parlay queen and i know one of the games she wants to talk about is one that we haven't hit on yet that's the raiders so we're gonna talk a little Raiders when we return from this quick break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Now is the time for a road trip for an outdoor-centered summer vacation to chase the fishing bite. So this week, The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking summer angling adventures. Joining us will be Dave Mercer, host of Dave Mercer's Facts of Fishing, plus J.P. DeRose from Breaking Boundaries, and Cat Daddy. Jim and Trav's Summer Angling Adventures is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. You know, Mikey, hitting 500 is good in baseball. But uh, when you're talking gambling and you're talking uh, football wagering, you gotta, you gotta be in in the sixty percent range. You know, you gotta be over that fifty percent with the vig if you want to make some money. And unfortunately, last week I think we were pretty, pretty five hundred. Most of us, I think we had a, a couple winners and a couple losers. Nobody was bad, but nobody was great. But that's gonna change this week, Mikey. So how were, how good did you do last week? I think you were one, one and one. Yep, one, one and one. The uh, game that I did win was the Dolphins. I pushed on the Broncos and Seahawks at three. I was actually on the Seahawks side of things, and Dak and the Cowboys' offense just never got on track. And uh, they, they they maybe left half their offense in, in, in Dallas, Texas, scored eight points, uh, and I was getting three, and they lost by eight. So very ugly performance from Dallas, making me one, one, and one. What about yourself? Yeah, I was one and one. The Redskins looked really good on the road uh, at Arizona. I'm not going to jump too too high on them, but they were a team that I like season-wide, and I, I like to see what I, I think the key for them is if they can keep Adrian Peterson as healthy as possible and just give them a wrinkle of a running game to, to, with Alex Smith as a steady quarterback there, they, they do actually have some weapons. How, how about that, by the way? How many teams was uh, a- Adrian Peterson on last year? And right? he you know, he, a little he revenge scored. game. He went right back against Arizona. Yeah. Remember that early season game, uh, the Vikings, I think it was opening day where Peterson just gave this gnarly look he at was pouting uh, on the sidelines and was yeah. like pissed. And he's like, I got more in the tank. So we'll see if that was just maybe a, a first game adrenaline boost or if he could do it over over an entire 16. And I lost the game head up, which is going to be uh 
one team that you and I are going to have fun with, I think, throughout the year is the Dolphins, the team that you were high on, and they won week one. Uh, I think they did They did get a little little game flow and a little luck their way with a couple of big injuries on the other side for Tennessee. But, hey, you, you winner is a winner, Mikey, and so that was one of your winners and one of my losses. I think. Yeah, and by the way, just a quick mention, when you go one for five in the red zone and throw, throw some key red zone picks and you uh, have a breakdown on kickoff coverage and give up a, a tud to the house, you know – and you still win? Uh, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take no, it. They, they were about as they were about as good as I thought. Maybe a little bit better defensively than I thought. And then our our guest from last week, who will hopefully be our guest um, as many weeks as she will come on with us, because we love talking football with her. I think she split last week, and then she had a couple of props for I season did not long split. I was no? going to give you some some trouble. No, I went three and one. Oh, there we go. Okay, because I thought you were at season one. I had Ravens team total, Jags three and a half, and Vikings six. So, Gino, you're slacking. There, okay, so um, uh, we need to, we, Gino and I need, need to work on our on our math skills here a little bit and uh, and add it up right. That's yeah, that's good stuff there, and I'm glad that you called us out on it. Awesome, awesome stuff. Well, we got three more, uh, I think lines that we're going to play a couple over-unders and we'll keep continue to monitor some of the uh, season-long over-unders that we talked about so Monique last week um, the first game of the season we saw the Eagles and the Falcons play in what was like a defensive stalemate we couldn't get a lot of scoring in that game and the Eagles somehow in these ugly games they find a way to win and they're going to go on the road and play the really hot team that everyone's buzzing on this week in Tampa Yeah, and I'm big on the Eagles this week. I think their defense looked fantastic in week one, and I think holding the Falcons to 299 total yards is never an easy task. So I certainly like them there. And with the Skins, I'm not entirely sure because he missed practice yesterday, but we're not sure on the update of him. But Deshaun Jackson, he's if he's not playing, I definitely love the Eagles even more. And even if he's banged up, having a crucial playmaker just, not at 100% or not even close to that, I definitely like the Eagles. And I'm surprised the spread is as short as it is. I think it's a little bit of a public overreaction to how many points the Bucks put up last week. I'm in 100% agreement with you. This is one of my plays this week. I like the Eagles here a lot. Uh, I think if this if this was week one, the Eagles would have probably been a five-point spread, or would have probably been a five-point favorite. And if this was a couple weeks after Tampa loses a few more games, I think it would be this, the very same. I think it's just a complete overreaction to week one. So Eagles minus the three on the road. And then, Monique, one of the teams, I think this was your only loss last week, actually, um, was the Saints at home, the team that we were all a little disappointed in. But I think the same thing, you're going to get a big overreaction because they lost that game to Tampa, and you're probably going to get a few extra points in here. Yeah, I see the spread at the Saints minus eight, and I think, obviously, you don't want to have a defense come out giving up 48 points in week one. That's never a good look, and raises a lot of concerns and questions, especially since they were a team that, over the past couple of years, have been trying to build themselves on defense. So I think the Saints at home are obviously fantastic, and I think, unfortunately for the Browns, they're going to get beat up. And anchor Drew Brees throwing for 450 yards and still losing by a touchdown in week one. I don't want to play him in week two. So I think with the spread being at eight, if the Saints were to win the week one game, even if it was just, you know, kick that field goal and win, I think we'd be looking at a two-score two spread. But seeing the Saints at eight, I feel like it's been pretty solid at eight. It hasn't really moved much. I think the Saints take care of business. 
you know, when Monique is when Monique is spot on come Sunday and and the Browns get shellacked, I wonder how much sentiment there's going to be for uh, putting Baker Mayfield in. Uh, worthy to point out, Oklahoma has not bis- missed a beat without him, putting up over a thousand yards in total offense without ba- Baker Mayfield. So to me, that's very very telling. In contrast, look at SC without Darnold. Oh yeah, food for thought there. Well, Monique, Mike's going to get happy with your next play here. Um, talk about who you like in the Raider game. Yeah, this one's one of those where I feel like it's more like a, a hunch play than anything, but I like the Raiders plus six, and I feel it could be as high as about seven by kickoff. And I think their blowout loss is more of a testament to how good the Rams really are. They definitely struggled to slow down Gurley, and they couldn't bring enough pressure to Goff, but I think... If the Raiders can play a turnover-free game, they have a pretty good shot at winning outright. So I would just maybe spread a little bit on the money line, but I think I would like to take the six, six and a half, hope for seven at kickoff and take that. I love taking the points with them. Uh, I'm shocked that that line's even six. Who, who out there thinks the Broncos are that good? Yeah, they should be like four, three and a half. Like they should be maybe like a point better than the Raiders, you know, than you would get for the normal three at home. So I agree. That's just another... Um, Broncos it at looks home, like, that's another thing. you gotta yeah. give them, you got to give them a couple points with that. But I, I thought, to be honest, the six was a little bit high and definitely an overreaction. So three plays against the line for Monique. She likes the Eagles minus the three, the Saints minus the eight, and the Raiders plus the six. And then you have a, a couple over-unders to play, right, Monique? Yep. Uh, going back to the Saints-Browns game, and I like the under 49.5. Not really sure how many points the Browns are going to be putting up but I think if by any chance the game is close, the Saints cannot afford to go down 0-2, so they'll run the ball out. And with a great running back in Kamara, I love their chances to run it out. I think the only thing to be really concerned about is how many points the Saints are going to be putting up. So I don't see the Browns scoring very many at all, and I think obviously putting up 40 points in Week 1, you got to set the under over pretty high, but I think it boils down to one team scoring, one team not. And then one more under in, uh, isn't it crazy, Monique? Um, one of these teams is going to be 2-0 and this week, the Dolphins or the Jets. Um, but you think it might be a low-scoring game? I do, and I know Mike is hoping for the Dolphins. <laughs> 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 You'd look really good if your Dolphins start out. Yeah, 2-0, yep. Yeah, but the Jets looked amazing in week one, and I think the Dolphins were a tough team to judge with the six-and-a-half-hour delay certainly favors a home team, and it's tough to get back in rhythm. But I do think the one thing the Finns have going for them is how good Tannehill looked after not playing football for so long. I think the game could turn into a grinded-out duel, keeping the ball on the ground. And I really don't see both teams, either team, actually putting up 30-plus points. So you can have one of those 21-16 games, and you're cashing on the under for that. She went 3-1 and one last week, and now I'm seeing your notes. I've got your notes pulled back up here. She had the Ravens team total over 23.5. She had the Jags on the road, minus the 3.5. She had the Vikes, minus the 6, all winners. And the only loss last week was the Saints. So 3-1 and one to start for Monique last week. And she has five more plays this week with a, a couple against the line and a couple over-unders. Monique, what a good way to start the week. So how, for your own handicapping uh, and your own wagering, it had to have been a pretty nice start for you. It was a nice start. I was uh, all over the Ravens. That was like my center point. So I had 
Alex Collins' touchdown score, which I cashed literally minutes into the game, so that felt good. It's always great to start out those early games with a win, but starting out five minutes into the game with a win, can't go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, it was all over the Ravens. More a testament to the Bills, how bad the Bills really are, but it was a good week. It was a good week. Week one's always great because the spreads are a lot lower than you'd find them if the same game were to be matched up later on in the season. But it's still, at the end of the day, it's so tricky. And I got a question for you, Monique. If I am a novice player in terms of wagering and I hear your selections, do I place the same dollar amount on every game or do you give out units? Do you weigh them any differently? Uh, is it better just to, you know, if I'm a $20 player, just go 20 on each game? What are your thoughts about that? Usually I just bet the same units. I, I like the consistency on it. Obviously I'll go a little bit more, but you never really want to get out of hand. You just want to do it based on your bankroll. So you, it's pretty much the safest play to just do one unit or less than a unit on each because you don't want to be losing your bankroll because by the time week 14 rolls around, you may absolutely love something, but then if you're burning money early on, because week one, week two, and early on, you never really know how good the teams are, especially the middle teams. So I think just keeping it consistent because at the end of the day, there's so many weeks in the season, so many games, and it's definitely a grind. Just, just so that probably means that you're not into... So, so that means you, you probably wouldn't advise me to do a five-team parlay with all your selections then. <laughs> Maybe if you bet small, why not? But, but no, I, I prefer the single games. I think at the end of the day, if you unfortunately end up going four and one and lose your parlay, it's all for nothing. So I think if you can handicap a couple of them pretty well, you want to get paid out if you go four and one. You don't want to lose in a parlay because nothing feels worse than that. Isn't that what everybody says, right, Gino? Oh, and yeah. I went four for five in my three parlay. Out of four, four out won, of five. We almost yeah. won two thousand bucks. We we know we know that one, and we are very lucky to have the parlay queen Monique joining us. You can find her work on covers and at ABR Live. Follow her on Twitter at Parlay Queen. Monique, we'd love to have you on as many weeks as possible. We always appreciate talking games with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Make sure to get my record right now. Next, Thanks, week. next time. Sure Three and one so far. Jeez, I can't believe <laughs> I was that off. Wow. Wow. So, Mikey. You have 500. I know. I'm calling. I'm, I was just so depressed in mine and Mike's stats that I had to take you down with us. Sorry about that, Monique. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome Monique. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, Mike, Thanks, I think guys. we just have about a minute or two left. What are some of your plays this weekend? You know, before I get to that, let me just quickly say big news from New York Mets land that they are going to activate David Wright on the 25th and he will start at third base on the 29th. I, I think, think that's going to be his one day, right? That's going to be his one day. Um, I'm glad to see it. I've always liked David Wright. He's done the organization well. It's not his fault that he's been hurt. He's one of those guys. He lays it all out on the table. So I'm happy to see that. In terms of my selections, I am going to go with two plays. And those are Jacksonville Jags at home getting what? Point, point and a half. Oh, there we go. We're straight up against each other. Straight up against each other. I like Very good. I like on it. On the road. Awesome. I like okay. It. We got a better beer on that one for sure. Yep. And uh, and by the way, we have to keep a tally on these head-to-head. So I think yeah, last we week it was the Dolphins-Tennessee head-to-head, right? It was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So so Jags. And uh, I'm also going to jump on uh, Monique's bandwagon and, and go with the Raiders. I think six points is just a lot to ask for a Denver Broncos team that I think probably looked a lot better than uh, – then we're going to see for the duration of the season. Eagles minus three, the Pats for me over in the pit KC game. And then Cincy, if you're getting uh, 
the one, uh, the one point at home, I think, if they're getting the one at home. So those are my four plays, a couple for Mike. Monique's plays, man, lots that we got through today with Rick, with Monique. Thank you all for listening. Again, Mikey, it was a fun show, and I'm looking forward to a Dolphins loss this weekend so I can talk trash to you next week on the Mike Abadier Show. Hey, man, they may end up going, uh, you know, 3-1 and one, or 3-0, and oh, excuse me, into the big Patriots matchup for first place in week four. So It'll be we'll fun see how all year goes. long to battle over the Dolphins. <laughs> Very fun show, like you said, though. Definitely appreciate having Monique and Rick Saratella on with us. Thanks a lot, folks. We'll hear from you again next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.